This podcast is part of the Faking Fandom Media Network. Head to fakingstarwars.net slash podcasts for more hilarious shows about geek culture topics. We are a Star Wars comedy parody website that's been rolling now since... Oh, man, Link's going to have to correct me if I'm wrong. Since 2015, at least, uh, before The Force Awakens came out, and we do daily Star Wars parody and satire, you can think of us a a little bit like The Onion for Star Wars, uh, but we're just so much better. And we also do a couple podcasts. Uh, We have our own podcast media network that we are rolling with now. Um, And uh, T. Brontor is one of my co-hosts of the podcast, Faking Star Wars Radio. So that's what he's doing here. Otherwise, he would just be sitting at home uh, looking in the mirror, admiring himself. Actually, that is my uh, childhood to a T. (laughs) I was an only (laughs) child, so I I spent a lot of time looking in the mirror and and just pretending I had friends. So it's kind of like the same thing as working for Faking Star Wars. Right. You would just be like, you'd just be like Ray, you know, looking at the mirror as yourself in The Last (laughs) Jedi and then realizing there's no one else as beautiful as yourself. Yeah. Just randomly walking up to people and taking their last names. <laughs> yeah. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who is the most Mary Sue Jedi of them all? <laughs> it's me, Ray. <laughs> so, yeah. So what have you got going on, um, Teeb, uh, in the Star Wars universe this week? What's, what's on your mind? What do you want to talk about? Actually, I just finished rereading the Thrawn trilogy. So Wow. Uh, I didn't know the, you could the read. The legends, I guess. I every it, it actually took me a long time because I only read at night, like right when I'm getting ready to go to bed. So I'll read like forty words every six days, you know. And uh, so it's been I don't know. I started reading them about two years ago. So wow, that took you a while. So t- Timothy's on, right? The original. Yeah, yeah, Very yeah, yeah, cool for sure. Um, so what's your favorite moment in that that you think could be filmed? That, that would lend itself most to uh, production? I think when uh, Sabath takes over that general's mind and what it's like for the general to experience, like having his mind wiped, kind of like in uh, the one uh, Silence of the Lambs sequel where Ray Liotta is eating his own brain, pretty much. Oh, wow. That's uh, how I felt reading that. Like, oh, that's just like that scene where he was eating his own brain. And how he's just kind of completely lost his mind and he has no control over anything. But that was an interesting concept that the Jedi could, like he took the Jedi mind trick and he made it like super dark and creepy and horrible. And, you know, like, yeah, kind of like, uh, like the mind controller guy and, uh, God, that show on Netflix, uh, Sarah, not Sarah, Jessica, Jessica Jones. Okay. So I thought. Where, uh, Doctor Who. Well, see, I thought you were going to say kind of like Borgullet in Rogue One. Uh, who you know he can know the truth and uh you know he can end up messing with your mind so that's what i was expecting but yeah well borgola yeah i was gonna say he can't really control you i don't think right he just like lets you he can can, like you said he knows really what you're thinking so yeah yes yes but like think about it jedi mind tricks are dark side that's a dark side power jedi mind trick is a dark side power and luke actually struggles with that in the thrawn trilogy like when he should use it i agree using it is even right so it's interesting. I think it's it's always right to use it as long as it uh, screws something up for another person. You know, like well, if you're trying, if you're if you're waiting in line to get a public sub, then it's definitely okay to use that anytime you want to <laughs> to get people out of the line. Yeah, to get a public sub. Oh, geez. So so 
So people get murdered over here for them. People do. They you. get shot in Dagobah because you know Dagobah, although it is a very bustling planet with all kinds of organic life form, there's not that much there fit for human or droid consumption. Uh, if you remember that R2 himself was puking his guts out on Dagobah. So while it's uh, you know bustling with life, a very vomituous, nauseating environment. So I can see why the Jedi mind trick would be important uh, for getting sustenance uh, down there in Dagobah. Exactly. Amazing. Amazing. Well, I have not read those uh, books, actually. I have never been a fan, uh, necessarily. Not because I, I don't like them, but I just haven't uh, you know, gotten exposed to them. Uh, but I've heard that they're amazing. I've heard they are the best of the Star Wars novels. Um, so, yeah. But great. And also, I do want to say as well, if you would go to our t-shirt sales store, we do have t-shirts for sale. It is a blue boy summer. And so to thinking about Thrawn, we have a wonderful new t-shirt uh, for the blue boy summer. That is at bit.ly slash FSW merch. Again, that's bit.ly slash FSW merch. So check that out. Some great sh- uh, sales on right now for the next few days. Um, so check it out. And by the way, you might actually end up getting a shirt that is uh, not always uh, going to be there. That's right. Uh, it does happen from time to time where you get a shirt and we're no longer allowed to sell it. So get it while you can. I don't just say that because it's a, a neat thing to say. It's true. Yeah, get them we, while you can. We don't make a ton of money off these shirts, folks. It's just to keep the lights on. Uh, but they are designed uh, especially by, by Mr. Linkbox a million himself, taking Star Wars creative guru. Um, and so you're really getting a treat if you get one of those, especially that Blue Boy Summer, because that is not going to be there for much longer. So speaking of fakingstarwars.net, what if Lucasfilm, uh, you've heard of Lucasfilm before, right? You know who they are. I, yeah, Small little hippie film operation out of Modesto or somewhere in, near San Francisco. Plaid wearing weirdo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've heard of them. Yeah. So what if Lucasfilm made a Star Wars What If series? So it's basically a question of, you know, so Marvel uh, just created this what if trailer, right? Um, and, and there's been a lot of positive buzz about that. A lot of, a lot of people really excited. Um, and so what if they decided to do the same thing and copy themselves with Star Wars and make a basically a series about hypothetical situations? Um, and, and so that's what this article says, is that it is set to go into production next month. And so we have actually um, a list of the episodes. So would, would you like to would you like to hear what what these episodes are going to be for this brand new Star Wars show? I would, but I'd also like to say that to me, when George Lucas sold Star Wars to Disney, all of these are what ifs, as far as I'm concerned. So, so the whole anyway. thing is a what if. Okay. All the sequel trilogy stuff and all the the spinoffs and everything else, that's all what if to me, because it's not legends, which legends to me is the reality, the the real mythology. I mean, the actual (laughs) mythology, not fictional mythology. This is like, it actually happened. It's like history. But I'll hear your little little list. That's fine. It's very pedantic of you, and uh, I would say bordering on cultish in terms of your ideology and dogmatic affiliations here. Um... But I'll, you're just I'll, using big words to try and confuse me, but you're trying to call me an idiot, right? Is that what you're doing? I'm trying, I don't know I'm, what pedantic means. I'm trying to call you a religious fanatic about your Star Wars canon uh, uh, affiliations. Absolutely. I'm I'm a zealot. Zealot. You know a word. zealot. That's the word I'm I am looking that. for, yes. I'm, I'm a zealot. That's, yes. that's the word for the peons that I needed to come up with. Um, so the, the first plebs. episode is yeah. going to be called, What If Anakin Skywalker Lied? 
about his pod racing ability. So that would be an interesting episode. So if, uh, you know, we get there, they need him to be awesome to win at the Boonton Eve Classic. Um, but uh, he ends up breaking down and telling the truth to Qui-Gon that he doesn't even know how to pilot a pod. Um, and so the result would be Qui-Gon stealing the parts to repair the Queen's vessel uh, instead of uh, him winning it in that dramatic pod racing scene. Well, that's not as exciting, is it? I mean, he just goes in and steals some parts from, like, a, a garage. That wouldn't be much of a movie. I, I mean... It could be a caper, you know? He a couple like, of people, a couple of mechanics that just are looking at women and ogling them or something, you know? Like, being stereotypical, like, pulling their, their pants up and stuff and, you know, being <laughs> mansplaining to, mansplaining to, like, Padme. Oh, we don't... We don't need no girls around here telling us how to be fixing no ships. And then, and then Qui Gon's like, you know, he mind he uh, he Jedi mind tricks a few of them into like uh, falling in love with each other. And then there's like this, you know, big kind of like elaborate love triangle that because he frames them for murder and gets the part. Um. So the second episode, this is hot leak, by the way. This is 100% verified. Uh, the second episode of this show, because it's going to be debuting on Disney Plus is going to be entitled, What If Kaminoans Could Only Clone Sheep? <laughs> are sheep are sheep canon? I, I mean, was that in one of the Ewok uh, movies? I know they had... Yeah, you know, I think they had goats, they had uh, snakes and frogs and rats, and I, I think sheep are canon. I'm going to say they are. Well, have you ever played Plants vs. Zombies? Because there's a character that turns people into goats. So you'd have okay. like a like a sheep army because like I guess you know in in Plants vs Zombies you, you turn people into goats but they can still attack and defend themselves and stuff like that so so you'd have an an intergalactic sheep wars so it'd be the sheep wars the wool wars hmm. maybe the wool wars there you go the wool wars world wool war two world war war <laughs> it's hard to say that word wool war one yeah so. Well, that's interesting, you know, because um, I, I guess you probably uh, know this, that I'm not from Ireland, Teeb, um, but I did visit Ireland uh, in the last two decades, and it kind of brought new meaning to that old uh, parable or that old idiom um, about separating the goats from the sheep. I, I think there's a biblical reference there. You know, here in America, you know, the sheep and the goats, they look quite different. It's not very difficult to, to separate them in your mind. But when you go over to Ireland, they're quite similar looking. And we had a bit of a fiasco trying to decide, is it a sheep or is it a goat? Because the Irish sheep and goats, they look quite similar. So I'm going to go ahead and say that the sheep and the goat thing is, is totally canon, that, that both of them are canon. Um, and so in this alternate take on Attack of the Clones, what's going to happen is Obi-Wan discovers that the clone army is made up of sheep using Dolly as the template. So Dolly Fett, basically, right. is in charge. Dolly Fett. Well, we don't know about Omega yet, right? She might have some sheep DNA going in there. I don't know. That's true. That would be a bad situation for her. Oh, you are so bad. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Um, so episode three. Uh, um, episode three is what if Palpatine executed Order sixty nine? Oh my God. <laughs> mm. What do you think that one's about? <laughs> well, as this is a mostly PG uh, show, I would say it's about making love to all the Jedi. 
making love very yeah, strenuously to all the Jedi until they are exhausted and they're just like, "Hey, man, we should like totally uh, take out the uh, take out the Palpatine," and and then they're like, "Oh, bro," but instead, let's just make love, not war. And then so that is that like his plan is is they all fall in love and they decide to not make war against them. And... Actually, no. You need to get your mind a bit out of the gutter because this is like. Think the shawarma scene, the bonus scene in Avengers, um, okay. but with the clones and the Jedi eating some Nabooian pizza, because, you know, Naboo is space Italy. Um, and so basically, yes. instead of destroying the Jedi, this mandates that clones and Jedi enjoy pizza together. So they, the war is over, all the joys are destroyed, and everybody goes out for some delicious Nabooian pizza. Okay, what are the toppings though? I mean, you can't talk about pizza in Star Wars and not talk about toppings because you know the pineapple pizza crowd is gonna, you know, come down either way on it. So, what toppings would you have on a Nabooian pizza? I wonder. I mean, Teeb, if you've heard, if you've listened to the podcast Faking Star Wars Radio before, you know Gino's a Jedi Pizzeria. We have Bantha milk cheese and pork pepperoni. Ah, Gino's a Jedi Pizzeria, direct to you from Akito. Now featuring organic, unpasteurized, space manatee, booby milk cheese with delicious pork pepperoni. Delivery in the 12 parsecs or less, or Republican credits back. Offer not valid on Tatooine. Ah, pork pepperoni, that does sound pretty good, actually. Absolutely. You'd have to fight off Chewbacca, though. That's for sure. That's for sure. Oh, I thought he was a vegetarian now. Didn't he uh, apparently turn into a vegetarian? That's the rumor that ja- that's canon that ja- that uh, Chewie's now a vegetarian. I think he's just like like most humans. He just doesn't eat anything that's cute and looks at him and begs not to be eaten. I mean, that's kind of my role. He's like if our you're partner a animal. And what's that? Oh no, you go. No, I'm, I'm done. I just said if they're cute and they look at me and they beg for their life, I'm probably not going to eat it. Just right. typically. So you have you have like a very uh, schizophrenic approach to eating meat. It's like if if I don't have to look at it and I don't have to kill it myself, then um, I'm okay eating it. Absolutely, cool. That's exactly how I view eating meat. It's interesting. I'm waiting until vegan gets on because vegan when he gets on, he's gonna give me a hard time. But I don't care. For those of you out there who don't know, yes, Vegan the Hut is one of the co-hosts of Faking Stars Radio. Um, hopefully, he'll be here soon. I can really get things cranking with the meat jokes. Star Wars has meat. I mean, like they used meat to tempt Chewie on Endor, right? Like that was kind of disgusting. That scene. I forget the name of that animal that they used. Do you know what it was? No, I don't know. Uh, not a deer. This this is not a deer. Definitely not a deer. Don't look at it like it's a deer. It's anything but a deer by George Lucas. So how what does it say about Google that when I type into Google, what animal do the Ewoks use to bait? The next word is Chewbacca. <laughs> like, that's pretty freaking amazing. It's called a Verkle, by the way. A V-E-R-K-L-E, Verkle. Not Steve Urkel, but Steve Verkle. <laughs> <laughs> Ewoks killed, killed Steve Urkel and gold right strung there. him That's up on the accidental. indoor jungles. Uh, did I do that? Did you just, yeah, did you just do that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, well, you know, family does matter, as Star Wars teaches us, so family matters. Oh, God. Gosh, uh, so yeah. if these were rodents, 
that that came from Endora, of course, and they had this. That's you know, a big ass rodent, bro. A that big one, like yeah. It was the size of uh, you know, remind me of it. Reminded me, and when I first saw it, I thought, oh my god, is that one of those um, uh, mounts from the Dark Crystal? I don't know if you ever seen the Dark mm-hmm. Crystal, those things the Gelflings ride. Not the not the Golem, but the the ones that the the Gelflings ride. That's what it looked like to me. Hmm. I was like, did they just like raid the prop set of the Dark Crystal and throw it in a net? So like yeah, whatever. Chewbacca will eat anything. He's he's just disgusting. He's a carpet person, you know. He'll eat whatever. So the the Steve Verkel um, apparently had four <laughs> protruding tusks. I do remember the tusks. I didn't know there were four. I thought there were only two, but there were four. And apparently the Ewoks they they wouldn't touch the stuff because it tasted kind of unpleasant. But Wookies were attracted by its distinctive odor. This is from uh Wikipedia here. Um, so yeah, apparently, uh, apparently the Ewoks were very much almost um, vegetarian, feeding mainly on roots and nuts, occasionally and stormtroopers, meat and stormtroopers. Yes, but um, <laughs> apparently, apparently <laughs> they weren't vegetarians. They're gonna eat. They're gonna eat Han and Luke. What are you talking? Well, about? <laughs> that was for a special occasion. They were like special uh... meatitarian. You know, only when it was a, a special occasion. Flexitarians. They were flexitarians. Um, flexitarians, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So apparently that's what where this Verkle comes from. Uh, but I, I just remember, I mean, it looked so gross because, like, it you actually could see the meat. Like, it wasn't just the fur. Like, whatever they did to prep this prop, like, it definitely had real meat involved. Mm. Can you imagine? So you're saying? Can you imagine like the, showing up on the set and that giant like being um being Peter Mayhew showing up on set in that giant stinking Chewbacca costume in the hot redwood summer like forest and then you have to like grab this disgusting decayed corpse of Steve Urkel like with tusks <laughs> on it and like pretend that you want to eat this garbage like. <laughs> Like, how do you even do that? Like, that's a clever bit of acting on his part. Yeah, he was, uh, it was amazing. I really believe that he wanted to eat that meat. <laughs> that Urkel meat. I mean, Verkel meat. <laughs> the Verkel meat. Oh, jeez. We have to do, we have to make this t-shirt of, like, a, of a oh, Steve Verkel. Did I eat that? <laughs> like, all of them are up in the on. net? Like... <laughs> when when Link comes <laughs> back, we'll have to tell him. Yeah, yes, for sure. Yes. Oh man, he missed the best part of list. So, well, there's a couple more episodes here uh, in this series. Uh, Teeb, would you like to? Would you like to hear what the next one is? No, nah, I'm good. You're good. Cool. So, so um, the next one is episode four. What if Luke Skywalker had gone to Tashi Station? <laughs> I know. Going to Tashi Station to pick up some new power converters. I know. Yeah, and he got his power converters. So what was he going to do with the power converters? Well, that's that. That is the question of the hour. What does one do after one converts power? Isn't that a battery? Isn't that just a fancy space ba- battery? I think it's converting power in the religious sense. You know, it's like converting <laughs> midichlorians <laughs> to the dark side or something like that. Okay. That's an interesting way of putting it. So, okay, I'm going with this. So, a power converter. So, he's going to convert midichlorians to the dark side. And that's going to somehow power his moisture farm for more blue milk. And he's going to the academy. Apparently. What academy was he going to go to? Was he going to go to the Rebellion Academy or the Imperial 
I mean, if you go to the academy, no, that was that he was like going to go to the Imperial place. Academy. So he was going to be a Tie Fighter. Well, it's pilot. just like Han Solo went to. That's right. Yeah, he was going to be a pilot. I'm a pilot. So you let's know. go with this. What if? So what if he goes? He gets his power. He gets his power converters. His uncle is so impressed with his ability to go pick up batteries that he lets him go to the academy. He joins the academy. He's right fresh out of probably about his second uh, week of uh, actual flight training. They've advanced him a little bit because the pesky rebellion is getting, you know, uh, is getting too close to uh, to uh, the Death Star. So they 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 escalate their flight training program, and now he's in. The uh, what do they call it? The the something run, the the tunnel run, not the tunnel run. What do they call it? The cavern run. He's in the cavern run on the Death Star, but he's in one of the the trench uh, run. The, the trench run. The trench run. That's it. Trench run. Yeah. So he's in the trench run, but he's in a Tie Fighter, and because he's so good and he has the Force, he blasts everybody. By the time Darth Vader gets there, he goes, "Oh, this Force is strong with this one," and then you know, impressive and all that good stuff, and and then they become friends. And they eventually realize that they are related, and they kill the Emperor. And they take the Death Star, and they kind of just cruise the galaxy, blowing up planets. The end. I mean, they kill the Emperor. I've always, you know, I've long contended that my favorite part of, of Empire Strikes Back is when, when he says, you know, together we'll rule the galaxy as father and son. Mm-hmm. And they'll kill the Emperor and bring balance and order to the Empire, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because look, 30 years later, we get the First Order, we get Hux, we get all that, and Kylo Ren crap and everything else, and turns out the Emperor didn't die, because they would have, if they worked together, they could have killed the Emperor, and done it right, and had follow-through. Well, that's all I'm the, the, the other detail that's mentioned here, now you kind of followed the narrative of Luke, right, but you have to think about Star Wars as being a whole galaxy and, and a universe, this would have affected other characters as well. And, you know, what came of the droids? So if Luke had never mm-hmm. showed up and they hadn't bought the droids, what actually uh, would end up happening is they would have been bought by Marshall Cobb Vanth uh, out in Mox Pelgo. Do you remember that from The Mandalorian Season 2? So uh, the American Jedi? Yeah, basically, yeah. So he prompted Timothy, Timothy Oliphant? Timothy Oliphant? Timothy Oliphant, Cobb Vanth. Uh, he ends up turning yeah. – um, turns into – you know, he, he probably turns the droids into armor because at this point he had not acquired Boba Fett's Beskar. And then when the Imperials uh-huh. show up, they see his armor and they say he looks cool. And then they, they check out. So, yeah. That works. That's right. And that. Well, what happens to R2-D2? Does he become a, a shit can? A trash can? He becomes part of the armor. So, yeah, he they, they get melted oh, down. So he uses both C-3PO and R2. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Extremely cannibalistic. That would actually look awesome though, mm. like a gold, a gold um, set of armor with like a blue and white kind of motif. I think it'd be bad. That'd be bad. I'd pay for it. I'd I'd like to see that. Yeah. Heck yes. Because we're gonna be here for a while. We got some games going. Uh, we're gonna play the Wikipedia game. Um, did you play? By the way, team, I'm looking forward to hearing from from some of our players. But did you actually do it? I didn't play because the directions were too complicated for me. Too hard to to go to Wikipedia and click. I mean, yeah, that is complicated. I will give you that. Especially yeah. if you've been no, dining I, I, only on on roasted verkles for the last sixteen years. <laughs> um, you know, your your brain must be hemorrhaging with cholesterol. Uh, so. <laughs> but, 
kidding. I cannot. I, I can't get that image out of my head now. I'm sorry. I know. I know. It's great, right? <laughs> Four tusk Steve Urkel running for his life through Endor. <laughs> Chased by Ewoks that are going to use him as bait. And they won't even do the justice of eating him because they're going to just use him as bait. Yep, That's yep. like very <laughs> uncool, man. I think that was one of our finer moments, don't you? <laughs> That's like bait fish. It's like we don't even like you enough to eat you. We're just going to turn you into bait fish yep. for a, a wolf. Yeah, yeah. Fisher cut vertical, as they say. So, um, in any case, I the thing is, I love that. I love that joke and that pun is is so salient. But the problem is, nobody has a clue what the f a freaking vertical is. <laughs> it's like, let me make a random pun about something you've never heard of. It's like, <laughs> no, so no, no, no. It works. You just gotta educate. People. Right, right. We gotta, we gotta like have a whole ver. Oh, save the vertical. Yeah, save the vertical. Oh yeah, we're just dooming ourselves into obscurity here. You know, <laughs> Peta, Peta's gonna come after us mm. and. Or no, they're gonna like us because we're trying to save That's right. Vertical. That's right. Yeah. Save, why? Save why hasn't Wikipedia ever ever come forward and like you know gotten mad about like imaginary hunting? Uh, I mean, there's so many movies that have hunting dis- displayed, and I've never seen them boycott these movies and, and all that stuff. I mean, just because no real animals were harmed doesn't mean that imaginary animals were not. And that, you know, I mean, like they say, I mean, imaginary lives matter. So. No, I, I mean, I imagine lives all the time. What was the next one? Oh, uh, the next uh, the next imaginary story. Um, so I think this actually, I think Lucasfilm was actually listening to the podcast when they came up with this one. Because uh, I do recall talking about this a while back, um, I think with Vegan, the hut. Uh, what if Ro- Yoda's root leaf stew gave Luke food poisoning? Like, how bad? Like really bad like i mean like two buckets like a bucket on the front and a bucket in the back yes yes and and i mean having to go number two in an outhouse is common so you know but but for for luke i mean once it turns deadly uh this is more than just a mild inconvenience yeah well he has the force so he would have had to use the force to constipate himself until he got off of Dagobah and was able to go to like a, a Bantha tank and take care of it properly. <laughs> a Bantha tank or a Bantha tank? Bantha tank. But re- Bantha but, tank, same thing. But remember, at that point, um, Luke had not trained enough in, in the Force, so I don't think he would have been able to constipate himself. Uh, he, had, he couldn't constrain his muscles with using the Force That's a high-level skill. That's a very high-level skill. Ah, and also it's the dark side. It's called a vac strong tube, with that. as we learned in the Mandalorian. <laughs> by the way, it's a vac tube, not a not a back to tank, buddy. Didn't you watch the Mandalorian? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I watched the Mandalorian. I watched it. I touched myself. You know, all that good stuff. Yes. Yeah, I watched it all the time, many times, long time. So, so it. the root leaf, the root leaf stew ends up after two days killing Luke of food poisoning. So. Yoda is actually responsible in a way for murdering by way of food poisoning Luke. Wow. So then he never goes to Cloud City. He never goes nope. to. So then it's a trap. So what happens? So, okay. He, he never finds there. out. Darth Vader gets really upset because his prize gets killed by Yoda, but he never even finds out. So he's just like sitting there and goes, well, now what? This sucks. So he just never finds out what happens because he dies on some remote exiled planet. Nobody ever finds out what happened to him. Although, 
I think maybe Leia knew that he was going to Dagobah. So now Leia sends a search party after she works with Lando and Darth Vader and she infiltrates uh, the uh, the Empire and makes him think that she's turned to the dark side. Hmm. And she comes back looking for Luke on Dagobah, finds Yoda and Luke's bones, and murders Yoda. Whoa! Now, did Leia, Leia never met Yoda? No. She just sees this little green dude, and he's the only guy on that planet, apparently, who is, you know, a biped. Right. And he, you know, Luke couldn't figure that out, you know, looking for Yoda. It's like, dude, he's the only, you know, sentient being with intelligence. Well, I mean, limited intelligence, because when he meets him, he's, he's like, this little Muppet is not Yoda. But I guess he probably thought the real Yoda was hiding. What if that wasn't actually Yoda? What if that was a total fake? What if Yoda is actually a faker? I think that's, the, yeah, definitely. I mean, we did a whole episode uh, based on that as an April Fool's joke. Yoda fakes out. Um, uh, if you remember IG69, who's a, a co-host on the podcast, uh, he interviewed Yoda on Dagobah, and Yoda had nothing but pranks to pull. So that, that I like that theory. Yeah, because now that, that flips everything, right? Like, the real Yoda is still waiting for Luke. Mm-hmm. That's right. And in your what if, the real Yoda is still waiting for for Luke and it never finds out that he was killed by food poisoning by, you know, the Muppet. Great. So, great. and then when Leia shows up with the forces, uh, the dark forces looking for Luke, she kills everybody because she, she does discover the real Yoda and she's just like, I don't care. At this <laughs> point, she just kills everybody. That makes sense. <laughs> Wouldn't you be pissed? I mean, she'd be like, I just don't care at this point. I'm killing everybody. Because she'd be dark. She'd be Dark Leia. Dark Leia. I like Dark Leia, especially if she's wearing a slave bikini. I think that'd be hot. I'd be into that. I've seen some good Dark Leia images. Not with, not with bikinis, would... where she's wearing leather, and it's just like, dude, <laughs> it's Steve, not, not a problem. I would not throw Dark Leia out of, the bed, out of the bed for eating quarter portions. Yeah. yeah so. Now, now here's what I want to see with this. I like you. Uh, you kind of like to go to the main story, you know. Like I see that about you that you're very concerned with how does this influence the whole galaxy. But like, what I want to see with this is like Yoda food poisons Luke, like the budding Jedi master, and like I want to see Gordon Ramsay show up at that kitchen and be like, "What are you doing, you Muppet?" Like <laughs> this, <laughs> this really, you don't even have this label. <laughs> Look at the state of this kitchen. We're shutting it down. Oh my <laughs> God. Nightmares. Like, oh, that would be glorious. And Yoda would be like, Elf's mm, kitchen. Dagobah's kitchen. I believe in you. <laughs> People, my food they enjoy. Oh. And he's like, it's not, it says it's fresh. It's not even fresh. It's frozen, you Muppet. Yoda's like, mm, many perspectives <laughs> there are on frozen or fresh. Mm-hmm. Strong with the frozen food, am I? Yes. <laughs> yeah, they look like Scully's Scully's fish sticks from uh, freaking Summer yeah. Mental. I was like, what the <laughs> hell is that that he's eating? They look like uh, those chick sticks. Remember chick sticks? Yes, they still have those? exactly, exactly. Teeb, uh, taking a look here at episode six. So you know the the story's come and gone. You know we've got some development now. The next what if is what if Jabba the Hutt. Jabba Hutt himself decided to make Leia a paid employee instead of just a slave. Huh. Well, okay. Would she would she have the same role? 
as I mean, wearing the she the, would get a paycheck outfit, yeah. or would she be like a, an administrator, like a secretary? Would she be like uh, an events? Co- I think I think I picture her as an events coordinator type person, accountant like, you know, slash she, events coordinator. Yeah, like she brings in the shows and she, you know, makes sure that the the acts are paid, the talent is paid, and she makes sure that there's like a fresh, you know, um, uh, a, a fresh set of uh, entertainers like every month or so. She tries to come up with different themes and keep it, you know, interesting. So different people that are coming to the Jabba's Palace aren't always like, oh, every time I go to Jabba's Palace, it's always that fish lady singing in my face you know she, she tries to mix it up she brings she brings some you know some fresh uh from some good acts there to Jabba's palace instead of just like always the same thing oh bad act dropped in the rancor pit eaten seen it you know it's like come sure. on man give me season two give me season two so yeah I, I, what would he pay her what would her living wage be and would she live there in the palace or would she live maybe on the sail barge like a yacht I, don't know. I think that would work. Yeah, she gets her own yacht as part of her compensation. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, I wouldn't want to live in the palace. It just looks dirty. And and and, and part of the story is that uh, she, you know, Boba Fett actually returns because Leia will have to end up paying Tatooine taxes since she's like a legal employee now on Tatooine. <laughs> and you know, there's no Turbo Tax, uh, uh, or, or you know, <laughs> but Boba Fett returns with a Turbo Tax kiosk. I guess kind of like the kiosk that the Mandalorian uh, had to use to like find out who was on the planet or whatever it was. Um, so Boba Fett returns with a TurboTask kiosk within Jabba's palace and files the return for every member of the court for a fee. So yeah, if you need a, a tax attorney, Boba Fett's your man apparently in this alternate history. I like it. <laughs> sure, why not? <laughs> I'm going to ask Willie Bobo to chime in if he's out there. Um, Willie, what do you think about this idea? To be here. Um, Long-time listener, first-time caller. Hi, everyone. Willie Bobo, introduce yourself and what's going on here with this what-if scenario story. We're on episode episode six right now. My name's Willie Bobo. I'm a, a faker, one of the founders, I guess, uh, editor-in-chief of the Peabody Award-winning website, FakingStarWars.net. Glad to, you know, call myself part of the collective. That includes Stormtrooper T, Link, of course, uh, well, who am I missing? Of course, vegan uh, and a number of different folks throughout the years. Anyway, um, right. good to be here. And as far as what if, I, I joined and you guys were talking what ifs. It was up to the, the, the funniest one that I, I found the funniest, the, the tax bit with the turbo tax. I thought that was hilarious. <laughs> I um, loved it. But I, I don't know what you're asking me. Like, who's a way in on it? What, I recap it for me. I forget. Well, yeah. So, so let's imagine that Leia gets a job on Tatooine instead of, uh, you know, being a slave. What would that entail for, for the rest of the galaxy? Uh, being a slave? Instead of being a slave. So she's working on the sail barge. Oh, that's she's, right. That's she's, right. Yeah, yeah. She's, she's doing her sexy she's a paid thing employee. on like a, like a, a Jabba's Palace only fans and getting like, you know, Jabba, of course, is going to get a cut. Like Jabba gets paid anyway. He, you know, you slice mm-hmm. it. Um, but, you know, Boba Fett becomes a tax attorney. Um, so Leia, Leia doesn't find out probably then, in my view, that, that she's Luke's brother because you know, she's stuck. I, I think one thing that, that we're forgetting or no one's really analyzed it uh and maybe because i don't go to the, these parts of the dark web but how were leia's feet 
uh, her feet because uh, that's a big selling point for OnlyFans. So I feel like she would be taking a lot of uh, pictures of her feet and selling mm. them. Uh, and I, I remember Vegan was, was reminding everyone early in the week that, that huts do, in fact, have feet. And he was at the <laughs> podiatrist. He was at the podiatrist oh, earlier this week, and I was dying to know how it went and whether he has to wear special, like, sensible hut shoes now. <laughs> He's completely lying. Oh, he does no. not go to the podiatrist because there's no feet on hut. The huts don't have feet. I'm waiting for him to get on to yell at him about this because I know he's going to tell me he's got feet. Yeah, I, I think I think uh, Leia would be selling feet pictures, and I think her biggest competition would be if Sabalba's still alive in this timeline. I think the dirt <laughs> or whatever you the dirt the dirts have really curved, like the the girth the, the length. They have a lot of good foot uh, fetish material to work with. Um, other than that, I'm not quite sure. So I'll turn it over to someone else. Hmm. hmm. Interesting. I, I mean, I like the idea of Leia finally getting like a normal job, like a day job, uh, because she's kind of been an entitled little Mary Sue the whole series, right? Just just resting on her laurels of uh, of royalty, as it were. Um, so I think it's a kind of nice thing. It's like the king going off to be a pauper in a way, um, and she'd probably return stronger for it. I don't know. What do you think, Teeb? Would you would you um, how much would you pay to see uh, to see Leia? Um, working in Jabba's palace instead of being stuck there as a slave. Okay, but are, are, like I said, is it the same role where she's an exotic dancer? Yes. I would pay 17 whoopie whoopie an hour. <laughs> oh, dear. That should be a website. And I would make sure I was getting some whoopie whoopie. Yeah. I do think maybe it would be interesting to see. I know we we're talking about Slave Leia, but. Uh, you, you mentioned Mary Sue and Coddled and sort of a one percenter. And I, I, I went to Padme, who's lived this, you know, her mom, uh, Leia's mom, lived this really sheltered life as a politician, very, you know, royal, regal, et cetera. I'd love to see her actually um, work a lot like Alice, uh, work at Dex's diner in a cute little outfit like, uh, you know, in the Twin Peaks. I forget the Twin Peaks uh, diner's name. But I think that would be a good look. I'd love to see her replace the um, the rope. Didn't uh, Dex have a, a droid? Yeah, flow or something. Uh, flow, I think. You know, I'd love to see Padme have to do a, a late night greasy spoon shift over at Dex's. I think that would really ground her. That would be awesome. That single single wheeled uh, robot uh, lady um, would be definitely improved by Padme's midriff for sure. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> she looks too much like Dot Matrix for me. That uh, mm. that that uh, waitress. Oh, who played uh, Joan? Uh, who that. played Dot Matrix? Joan. Um, Joan Rivers. Joan Rivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, <laughs> Virgin alarm! Virgin alarm! <laughs> yep. Oh, that's great. What if Luke Skywalker went crazy and acted like Yoda while in exile? So, you know, what we're talking about is when Rey arrives on Akto in The Last Jedi. Well, technically, she arrived on Akto at the end of The Force Awakens. Um, but when she arrives there and finds the older Luke Skywalker just randomly staring off a cliff, as you do, you know, just, just sitting there smoking dope, uh, hanging out with the porgs, looking at the water. Um, so instead of taking the old saber and, you know, just throwing it aside like a piece of poodoo, you know, instead, Skywalker starts backwards speaking to the young 
to the young scavenger. Um, and so she follows him into the hut. He prepares some of the root leaf stew, uh, but this time he's changed the recipe up with some thalassiren milk, uh, some thalassiren green milk. And it turns out that Ray is lactose intolerant, um, and she also gets very sick and dies. So how's that for expectations being subverted, Ryan Johnson? <laughs> Unless she died from farting, she could she could die from like, maybe because she's a force sensitive. Maybe it's like stronger when they fart. I don't hmm. know. I didn't really think about that. So she, she fills dies. up with okay, gas, and there's a colossal explosion in her guts, and she blows up the hut. So instead of um, instead of Luke blowing up that little uh, stone hut on Octo when she touches Kylo Ren's finger, instead she says to Kylo Ren, "Pull my finger." <laughs> Boom! <laughs> oh my god. Big chief, no fart. Big fart, no chief, right? Yes. <laughs> oh dear. That's wonderful. <laughs> wow. Mm. Uh, yeah, okay, so so she dead. So now she's dead, and Luke is left going, what was that all about? Yeah. <laughs> He calls the cleaners in, you know, <laughs> clean up on us. The caretakers. Yes. The caretakers who already hate her. Yeah. They hate her anyway. <laughs> oh, I love how they always look at her like, God, I yeah, hate yeah, you. Yeah. Every time they make contact with they her. They have such scorn my wife looks for at Ray. her, right? <laughs> that's how my wife looks at Ray. Yes. Every time. <laughs> God, I hate Oh, jeez. The root leaf stick. <laughs> It would be great if um, when she exploded, it was a lot like Akira, and she had the entra- and the entrails of every single living and dead Jedi inside of her. She's all the Jedi. Oh, yes. It just went all over the place. Oh. I am all the decayed Jedi. I love it. Oh, gross. Akira and Star Wars, you know, have more in common than we think. I- oh, Pixie is here. Great. Hey, Pixie. I'm excited for a space like this. I gotta be involved i'm all i'm all for it bring it on uh it's amazing if ray died of dysentery uh there would be a great disturbance in the force but somebody would pick up that mantle she is not the last she is not the last jedi Ah. it would be broom boy it'd be ezra broom boy to sweep up her entrails (laughs) ah broom boy she becomes mightier as a uh <laughs> what, is, what is it when they become uh not a holograph? Uh, my brain is gone because I'm like totally a force in... ghost. A force yeah, ghost. She, becomes, she becomes stronger as a force ghost, right? Yes, yes. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, I, I tried to snag you because we were talking about specifically uh, a while ago. Uh, Leia was a paid employee of Jabba and not a slave, and if, if she was an exotic dancer, and what that experience would be like for her, where she was actually like a paid employee of Jabba, like everything just kind of lines up like that and that's like her job now is working in java's palace that would be a shit club to work in i'm telling you um I, yeah I'm, the band alone sucks, yeah so. i'm saying i'm <laughs> saying if you said the wrong thing to the wrong customer in this you're probably gonna get you're gonna you're gonna get red buttoned and you're gonna end up on somebody's snack list so i don't really see the benefit of working for job of the hut um, she's bit. If she was paid versus um being forced to work there, it would probably be about the same. 
true. It, it would just be a spin. You know, huts are very good at spinning things and making it seem like you're getting more value for your labor right. than you actually are. So right. I, they're a metaphor for that kind of toxic masculinity, I believe. Don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> Fat, yeah. ugly, indulgent. It, 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 it does make me wonder if, if Jabba's daughter, I think he has a daughter, right? If his daughter continued the trend and had herself um, slave boys. Um, to, to kind of, <laughs> one would uh, hope. Because we've never... Yeah, one would hope. Uh, there, there was a a cosplaying couple that, that, that made some waves in the, in the past who had a very funny photo set with the, the roles reversed. Yes. Yes. But I just think, it, I don't know if it's canon or not, have we seen slave boys or slave men, if you will, uh, you know, as, you know, with... Well, wait, how do we even know that like the Dothraki, the Dothraki is women? He might have had some men. Like, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, are we... Off. Are we overreaching with the thing that we think that Java's only into women? I mean, there's slave bots out there, isn't there? Oh, Lando Calrissian. For sure. Any port in Storm. Yeah, yeah. 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 Any USB port, <laughs> for sure. L337. That's right. So so Java could be pansexual. Yeah, you're right. We, we might be just jumping to conclusions. I mean, dude, have you seen his palace? He He doesn't look like he's very discerning about what he's with i'll just leave it <laughs> what he lays with he lays with a kawakian monkey lizard and i swear to god when i was a kid and i saw it, i thought that was his detachable penis i said a hundred times i thought it was a sentient penis and i was like nine when i saw that movie and i was so freaking like disturbed i really was i'm really <laughs> glad that uh, that bub and cam ray are not here to uh you know, hear know. that horrific story uh, <laughs> of how, how you denigrated, uh, you know, monkey lizard as a species as being uh, a hot phallus. But um, <laughs> all right, let's 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 go around the room. You have to pick who was your who are you crushing on uh, as far as in Jabba's palace? I'm going with Bib Fortuna. Mm. I've always loved his air of mystery. I love the, the manicure. I love the, the just like the bloodshot eyes. And, and just that whole, the, the neck piece, it's it just, I, I've always been intrigued by the that. The really tight um, nails, right? The very sharp, favorite? angular nails. Those really, yes. oh, very sexy. He was, a, he was ahead of the curve. <laughs> he was ahead of the curve for sure. I mean, that was some <clears throat> great nail art. He was, he was like goth in a way, right? Oh, yeah, he was. He was the original goth. Goth wasn't even a thing yet until, uh, like, you know, 86, 87. So that was after this. So I think yeah, I'm not, he was the I'm, goth. I'm not even joking when I say I was a little pissed when they, they kind of like brought him back and then he was like this fat, gross dude and then he just got killed one, two, three. I was like, really? Like, that's how my dude went out? Like, I thought, like, I thought that was cheap uh, and, and they, they should have done more with him. Yeah, I think they did that just to piss off people like you that really like Bib Fortuna and were always like, what about justice for Bib? What about justice? Here's your justice. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, you just like his lecu. They, did, they did a good job of like Beaver, Beezer, Beezer Fortuna. What's his name in Rogue One? Like they did a lot of like oh, you know fan fan service with that. So I think it was okay that they killed him off. I wasn't furious because honestly, I thought he was already dead on that sail barge. So it wasn't like a massive Willie. disappointment. <laughs> Willie, Willie, I got one for you, Willie. You got to get Cam Ray to do an O Fortuna song for you, buddy. Maybe that'll help. 
you, you did remind me of something he posted earlier when you made a fart joke. He posted uh, some edit of uh, Omega saying, pull my finger yes. and like learning yeah. about farts, which was very <laughs> funny. Yeah. I actually, I just, it just, it dawned on me. Somebody was, was playing some funny um, TikTok video of um, Peppa Pig going crazy in some video <laughs> game. And I realized that Peppa Pig sounds exactly like Omega. <laughs> so I, maybe it's just my ear because I'm pretty sure Peppa Pig is from England somewhere. The voice, but it, when I saw it, I, I got tripped up the New England accent. I mean, sorry, the New Zealand accent with, yeah. with Peppa Pig. It would be funny to, to cross streams and have it be a voice, Omega voice by someone from New England for for an episode. Hey, <laughs> I was about to say now I'm picturing a, a New England Peppa Pig. <laughs> Uh, quick swerve. Um, did, did I miss the episode? Did, did, did a new episode of the Bad Batch drop already? Uh, well, I think it's tomorrow, isn't it? Or, yeah, I mean, there was one last week, know. but yeah, I mean, last week's episode was a total oh, nothing burger, in my opinion. <laughs> Disney doesn't Disney doesn't sell premiere access yet for people who want the episodes a day no, early. No, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> Let's not give them ideas. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Shut up. So, so I want to I want to recognize, uh, you know, uh, Loose Cannon has just dropped in to the space. Uh, who, who's we have collaborated with at FakeyTurbers.net for many a year. Um, I don't actually know which Loose Cannon is Loose Cannon tonight, so I'm going to ask Loose Cannon briefly introduce yourself and tell us which unsung character uh, would you uh, ship. Um, with yourself as a as a relationship uh, from Jabba's palace scene. So so briefly, you know, for me it would be probably um, Max Rebo. I have a I have a soft spot for guys who can play piano, um, and so that that would be my choice. Uh, and plus elephants. I mean, come on, Star Wars elephants is amazing. So loose cannon, uh, take it away. So hey everyone, uh, as you can tell by the sultry sounds of my voice, this is producer Chris from Star Wars Loose Cannon. So thanks yes. for it. Thank you for uh, allowing us to join. So excited to be joining the space. Well, it's conditional, but thank you. Thank you for being here. Yeah, so we far. know that. I, I know it's a little, there's a little bit of a, um, a rivalry right now because the, between the two of us, we're the, the most handsome podcasters. And it's a little bit, <laughs> it's a little hard because there's a little bit of competition between the two of us. It's okay, Chris. I just hope there's enough space for both of us. I'm always here. Uh-huh. I'm always here for your dulcet tones. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but who would I want to ship with? Okay, it's the lady that Boba goes up to, and he kind of he just like grabs her chin for a second, and he's just he just and then he walks by her. Like I would definitely that that'd be the one I'd go with. I don't. Rem- Does anyone know her name? I forgot. Oh about yeah, no. That. Yeah. Wait, is that in the um, is that in the special edition or is that in the original? I can't remember. Um, but I think the question is, is is it in the special edition? I don't know the answer, but it doesn't seem like it would need to be because there was no CGI in that scene. But you never know with George. Hmm. hmm. Yeah, but with the Me Too, with the Me Too uh, generation, and everything like that, it's like just grabbing some lady's face like that. I'm surprised Disney didn't try to edit that out, like McClunky. Well, if they didn't go for yeah. the slave bikini, you know, maybe they're not going to go for the chin grab. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it, I think that's iconic now, though. Yeah, there, there's. I think she's with someone else. There's a famous photo of Jeremy Bullock with with the, with his uh, the helmet off, where 
behind him, you see, I think there's two women, the, the pale orange haired woman and someone else, I think. Hmm. Amazing. Hmm. What about you, Pixie? Uh, I don't know how big a Star Wars fanatic you are, but uh, who from the palace uh, gets you going? Well, it would be a major character. It would be Boba Fett. I mean, okay. I do like the strong, silent type, quick with his pistols, you know, take no prisoners. Maybe maybe he's a little rough. Maybe in my brain, he he likes to have it his way. He He's very commanding with his time. He's going to go away and then come back, but probably pretty passionate. That's who I would pick. I like the fact that, yeah. that you like the fact that he's commanding because I, I always mm -hmm. found Boba Fett to be, um, I mean, you know, in a way feminine, actually, because he's he's kind of dainty. Right. Like I liked he, him. I liked yeah. him. Like, I liked I him. I liked him way. really a pansexual. I mean, he, he, he likes to hide on ships. That's a, that's a little bit more gentle and genteel, shall we say. Um, he definitely cares about his wardrobe. I mean, come on. Uh, yeah. So I'm, I'm attracted to that just kind of pansexual aspect of Boba Fett yeah, in general. Yeah, you know, I, I think he strikes me as the type that's going to leave his socks on, though, because he's got so much gear. That's the only thing that's concerning to me is all the crap he leaves that he his has. Boots, he leaves his boots on for traction. Come on. you got to respect a guy like that. He's ready. He's willing. You know, he's got that one rocket always prepared. I mean, this is a guy who's got, he's got a utility belt. Who knows what's in there? Yes. I, I like a man who's yes. prepared. I, I'm, right. Yeah, he's, he's got a lot of guys. He's mine. He's I, I take yeah. him. <laughs> he's got he's got butt plugs. Well, I want to know plugs this. In his which belt. voice do you prefer? <laughs> but Pixie, which voice do you prefer? Do you prefer original Boba Fett or New Zealand space New Zealand Boba Fett? I prefer original Boba Fett. Yeah, me too. Now he, he just sounds more like I, I I'm more intimidated by that original voice for some reason. I, I like know. it. I like it. Um, I I am a bit of a Star Wars and Star Trek kind of fan i i am 40 so i did grow up with it um i i didn't get to see it in the movie theater because i was you know young at the time but i'm a i'm a big fan big fan i have a question though about the boba fett like if you're hooking up with boba fett would you be a little bit worried about getting incinerated or that just be like <laughs> part of the thrill that's what makes it hot. Yeah, it's it's not, literally, you don't know how it's. It's bad. not about it's being incinerated, guys. It's about <laughs> being encased in carbonite. It's it's not the same. Uh. I mean, he's gonna go away and he's gonna come back. He's probably got lovers all across the galaxy. I'm just one, just one of many. I mean, talk <laughs> about talk about the very very erotic but but devastating long game. Boba Fett is gonna freeze you in carbonite. And then and then uh, melt you and then completely destroy you and disintegrate you in one shot right at the end uh, because you know Fett doesn't mess around. I, I like that. Um, it, you know, it's exciting to think about Boba Fett as an erotic villain um, in Star Wars. We we haven't had too many erotic villains. Most most Star Wars uh, villains tend to be more on the the monster end of things. Um, but that but that's kind of just how how hmm. Star Wars has been. And you know, but but. But it, this reminds me of, of something that, that me and Chris have been talking about for a while now is this idea of Star Wars and how it connects to other properties, right? Um, and, and, and we were going to talk a little bit about how Star Wars and the movie Alien and Aliens have 
some weird similarities. And and this is the first thing that that comes to mind is that you know this monstrous villain is is prevalent in both films. Um. So so uh, Chris, I want to ask you, can you tell us a little bit about this whole connection thing? I mean, you you asked me, can we please please please? I'm desperate to talk about the connection between Star Wars and aliens. Um. So so that's the first thing that I see. Uh, what what else would you like to ask us about? Yeah, I want to comment on that first point the villain and the monster angle is really interesting and i think the movie alien and the movies uh, a new hope and uh, empire strikes back pull off the villain better than any movie like better than most uh aliens i don't think does as good of a job but it's still good but alien partly this is because of the limitations of the of the time the 70s, you didn't have really good CGI. You didn't have good uh, technology. So the villain in the movie, whereas you could argue there's the main villain is maybe not the alien or the monster, but let's go with the monster. It's only in the scenes very quickly, briefly, and every time it's in a scene, it's very impactful, right? So the same thing applies to Vader, especially in the first two Star Wars movies. Whenever Vader's in a scene, it's not a scene that's uh, going to be slow. Uh, Vader's not talking for a long time, especially in Empire Strikes Back. Like how many how many times does Vader come in for a quick quip and then he's gone? And it's always badass and it's always cool. And I feel like that was uh, one comparison I made with Alien and Star Wars is just how they treated the villains and partially the Alien because of the limited technology they did that, but also I think it had a great effect on the story. Well, what if the Alien could talk? What if the alien could like throw in like a quip here and there? Like, what, what would what would the alien say? And you, you know, know what? In, in alien, be, the first I one. It, yeah, I think it's a great question. I mean, because the alien was supposed to be so well developed and the perfect villain, um, and the fact that it didn't talk was so scary. And I think that if it talked, you would have kind of the same experience of hearing the outtakes of A New Hope with David Prowse. <laughs> <laughs> like, bring, That's what bring, I was going to say. Bring what about the, like Gilbert Godfrey voice? It's, it's like, okay, you're instantly Got not it. scary. <laughs> Wait. Oh, Glenn, and I'm going to eat your face. To, to clarify, we are only talking about the, the alien quadrology, correct? From 20th Century Fox, not Spaceballs, right? Because the little alien does break down into song and dance in that one. That's true. Well, he does a song and dance. Hello, yeah, my baby. That's Hello, my darling. That's actually interesting that you bring that up. I think up he dubbed most of his lines. Of... I think those... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Deep. I think, he dubbed... I think he dubbed that scene. I don't think he was actually singing. I'm just... You, you, you don't you think know. they actually uh, created a clone alien out of uh, uh, Dolly's DNA? <laughs> but that... Actually, that was Mel Torme's voice, though. That was actually Mel Torme's voice. So, well, yeah. interestingly now, enough, I mean, that is a connection between the two films. Is that you have John Hurt actually playing the same character in Alien and Spaceballs. Yes. Anyway, um, go ahead. Yes, go course. ahead. I'm gonna. I'm gonna give it to Pixie. Go ahead. Now, if it's a, if it's, if we're doing the Alien Queen, and she's she's having her moments with Ripley, and she's she's leaning in and she's saying things like, "Hey." Hey, how's it going? What are you doing? Where are you going? You're supposed to be getting ready for this event, you know. That really makes the the lean in with with her with her extra little mouth. That makes the, the scene a little bit differently. 
like, like Jubilee. What if like each mouth had a different yeah, voice? Yeah, like, you first know. Mouth had like a had like a more sophisticated voice, and then this little mouth came out and went. Ah, what do you what got? You, got? Hey, yeah. you know, like the mother-in-law voice comes out of her. Yes, yes. I'm gonna give it to <laughs> Willie. Go ahead, Willie. Or was that Chris? Sorry. Sorry, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody was trying no, to jump in there. I'm just imagining her just be like, can you believe the price of gas around here? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Was... I haven't had any company in years. What's going on? Why are you killing my babies? Like, it's that could have been something. <laughs> exactly. What it, yeah, I mean, again, you have the egg connection as well. How do you have a cigarette or something? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Well, she is a cigarette. Yeah, she does. She's got a lighter. <laughs> yeah, she's got you a know, lighter. Where, where <laughs> the, the aliens, uh, when you think about it, they were probably pissed off because the humans they encountered were so anticlimactic compared to the ancient pilots that were part of their formation, according to Prometheus lore. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Be very so they were just angry. Yeah. They were bored, you know. Well, they were like, yeah. they had these perfect giant, you know, pale chalk creatures, and then they wake up, and it's Ripley, a cat, and Yafet Kodo. I mean, it's kind of a drop-off. <laughs> <laughs> That's it? This oh, this is what we became a bizarre xenomorphic species with acid blood for? <laughs> yeah, that... That whole thing with Prometheus, I didn't know we were going to talk about Prometheus because it just gets a little woo cuckoo bananas. It's like, all I'll right. I will say this. I will say this. Prometheus, <laughs> say what you will about Ridley Scott and cashing in on sequels. I saw Prometheus in a 4D theater. I mean, we're talking like uh, air puff effects, vibrations in the seat, lasers, like the whole thing. It was absolutely mm. amazing. Like that I, is I, the absolute best 40 film I've ever seen. I, I, I'm with you too. It's got a lot of haters, but I I am a fan. I love the shots in the beginning. I'm pretty sure he reused he reused some of those scenes, those overhead shots in a different film. But some of those scenes, and I really enjoy whenever um not Tom Hardy is in a project. I I, I always like it because everyone <laughs> thinks it's it's like budget Tom Hardy, and he did his best. And I, I thought. It did some very interesting things compared to some of the the more recent schlock in the Alien franchise. The, the visually, yeah. no, it definitely makes vi- you think. Vi- it makes you think. Prometheus does. I like visually, that. like Prometheus. I thought was was very in tune with the original Alien in terms of like the the grayness of the planets. Like you think of like an alien planet, and you think of like some weird, colorful, amazing thing. But actually, like an alien is it L four thirty two or whatever the planet is they go to. It's it's very dark and gray. And actually, um, uh, uh who's the director of Rogue One? Uh, uh, uh Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Gareth Edwards Edwards, said that, you know, the inspiration for Edu actually came from uh, uh, that that planet in Alien. So that's that's another later connection between the two Ah. movies. So, yeah, if you think about Edu, Edu in Rogue One, that that prison planet, um, it has those big kind of bluish mountain peaks and grayness that that's basically that planet in Alien. So um, it's, it's incredible. Oh, uh, we got Jake here. Go ahead. Oh, I think they're a really good combination. Um, I think uh, you can really tell that, you know, both Ridley Scott and George both loved 2001 and both incorporated it um, in their styles. So you look at, like, the whole, like, lived-in kind of 
like natural dialogue with the two movies. Like in the science fiction movies, like are generally very hokey and like were considered like big B movies back then. And it's just like, you watch like some of the stuff that they had on mystery science theater, where a lot of the dialogue didn't really make any sense. Um, and then you had like star Wars and alien. And it was just like, they're just talking like regular people. Like these are right. Reg- they don't care about like, Oh, we have holograms or like, food in a little pack here no like they're not making that stuff up like these people live here it's it's lived in and i think that was really like not intentional on their parts i mean obviously 2001 kind of like deviled in that a little bit but they still kind of kept with the whole like oh we got wormholes and all that kind of stuff but it's just like no like star wars doesn't give a damn if they have like laser blasters they take that stuff for granted and it's like Alien takes the whole corporation and the whole spaceship for granted. And it's like, when you have a galaxy that's like this big and this imaginative and you're taking that for granted, that's a really honest artistic choice that that they did. And it surprisingly worked very well for both. You know, I think it's a great point. I mean, obviously, I mean, Ridley Scott has said that he took so much inspiration from Star Wars. and, And that was, I think, honestly one of the most unique things that happened with Star Wars was George Lucas was like, I'm going to do a sci-fi film that's not shiny, that's not, you know, all Star Trek-y and, and weird, and, you know, fancy, but it's it's lived in, right? I mean, that's the idea, is that it's 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 lived in. That's what you're saying, I think. And um, one of the moments in Alien, I think it's in Aliens, the sequel, actually, um, the second-in-command Marine that I just love, I mean, this this to me is exactly what you're talking about, when he wakes up from being in suspended animation, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I were in suspended animation for 50 years, I got out, like, I, I would I would have a list of things that I need to do. The very first thing he does is put the cigar in his mouth, right? And it's just, it's so natural and makes so much sense. It has that kind of artistic integrity where you're like, of course, like, of course, if you were a tobacco addict you would have a cigar right next to your mouth so when you came out of suspended animation, you could hit it up, right? Um, and, yeah. and I think that, that speaks That's to what so you're cool. saying. I, I think it's unfortunate in the prequels and sequels and indeed the sequels to Alien that they do go more for the, oh, we have holograms, we have this and we have that. It's I think it was mm-hmm. really unfortunate that the prequels and the sequels looked more like you know the B-movie look of very clean science fiction rather than the rather than the dirty it's like you know aside from the it's it, it makes me more like i'm watching an episode of mystery science theater than i am you know watching you know the latest star wars movie i can actually i can share some insight on that too because part of the one of the topics i brought up was this book that i read called how star wars conquered the universe and it just really goes through george lucas's mind from before a new hope to going into this to the sequel era and one of the things that I noticed was that George's mission during the prequels, he said, is that he wanted to push uh, basically the technology that he had at his disposal to make like really beautiful, uh, like really beautiful pictures. Like he, he wanted to see what the technology could do for the world. Like he didn't really care about Star Wars as much as a story or about being a successful filmmaker, because guess what? He already was that. So you're saying that actually that was intentional. It wasn't just an accident of the process of, hey, I can do computer pictures now. Um, and, and that actually he was in trying trying to subvert 
as you as you would uh, say, um, if you're a Ryan Johnson fan, um, trying to subvert the narrative in favor of the aesthetics. Is that kind of what you're saying there, Chris? So when it comes to the prequels, uh, the sequels, I don't have, I don't know about that. But when it comes to the prequels, basically George was more concerned about technology impacting the world rather than the acting, the story, um, or anything like that. Because look, at, think about it this way: he's is he financially successful? Is there anything that he needs to do at this point in his life? No. When a new hope, when a Star Wars was first coming out, there's no guarantee of a completely successful career. He was still a kind of an indie filmmaker at that point. Hmm. Hmm. So he had larger aspirations than just Star Wars. I mean, he had Luke, he had Lucas Ranch. Actually, that was as one of his most biggest, biggest priorities uh, post Star Wars. You know, when I say Star Wars, it's like, I just say that because they didn't call it a new hope at the time, but yeah, post a new hope. His, his big thing was Skywalker Ranch. Uh, he wanted to fund he wanted to fund that as much as possible and use Star Wars as a way to do that, which I don't I don't really you know, maybe some people would be offended by that, but I'm not. I just feel like it's a little bit more of a realistic take. I think that's a valid one, uh, but I really do think that um, I can see progressing in the original trilogy that things did get more cleaner and more. 2001-ish, even though it still kept that kind of dingy look for a lot of the things. And, and well, I don't disagree with that part at all. Uh, that part you're still spot on. I just mean more so with the prequels. The no, no, no. I'm, I, I think, I think the most dingiest of the prequels movies is indeed Revenge of the Sith. But I think oh, this okay. is just to tie into, um, you know, the the original trilogy style. But I guess Attack of the Clones to me is the cleanest, and I think that's where you know a dialogue and you know issues aside with the story i think that's where it really falters because geonosis is supposed to be this rundown droid factory and it just looks a little too clean right it's too it's perfect little, it's too perfect it's too clean like this is supposed to be a desert planet dingy factory like big capitalistic operations here like another government Whoa. and it doesn't look like it doesn't look like bugs live there so yeah i just wanted to i just wanted to say um we have another uh speaker here monorail lime uh welcome uh here uh, into our space i was listening to a podcast this week and i just want to i want to see what you all think about this um as myself like i don't want to divulge too much personal information but i was alive when star wars came out in the theaters originally and what the podcast was saying was you know at that time if you were alive like there was there was not a memory of being alive when Star Wars wasn't part of your life, and and for me, I I can't point to a point in my my just existence when Star Wars wasn't part of it. Wow. Um, would, would you would you say the same, uh, Jake? Like how how did you experience that? Um, I was born right in the year two thousand, so I was like a prequel kid through and through. So when other people like hated it i loved it because it was such a great time to grow up like i had a whole revenge of the sith theme party like i was 
that was like one of my favorite movies growing up. And yeah, I kind of got on the prequel hate train for a few years because I was old and teenagery, and I wanted to be one of the cool kids because it was cool <laughs> to hate on the prequels. You'll never be cool, Jake. You're talking to fakingstarwars.net. You'll never be cool. Yeah, you, you know what? It was only fine for a few years because you know what? I was one of the generations <laughs> that made the prequel memes, so I feel like I'm something special when I Nice. I love like, it. I love um, it. And besides growing up on the prequels, um, I also grew up loving the Disney theme parks and, you know, but I never got an opportunity to ride the original Star Tours. Neither did I. I never got that opportunity. I almost did, but I was scared because I don't know what it was, but Captain Rex outside was giving me the dead eyes and I could not go in into his star speeder. So I looked at Wow. I don't know. I don't know what that was, but it was. But my first visit to the Disney MGM Studios was entirely based on the Star Wars. Um, I got pictures on the speeder bike. Like prequel merchandise was ever. Like I was a total prequel kid, um, and I'm like just like a hardcore like Star Wars fan. Like I will, I will go to the ends of the earth to to love this franchise, and you know I will. I will hunt down, you know, some some good merchandise. Not not pour my entire college fund into it, but if there's a new uh, Force Effects Elite lightsaber <laughs> that catches my attention, I will buy it. You see, I thought you were gonna nice. say hunt down funny. the people that don't like it. <laughs> I, I was gonna be with I'm, you. Same. I'm very <laughs> but that's okay. bounty hunter. Similar to Star Jake, I grew hunter. up on not. I don't think I grew up on the prequels because I was born in like 2003. So I grew up on the Cartoon Network show. The, uh, the Clone Star Wars. Wars. The Clone yeah, Wars. Star Wars, The Clone Wars. And I also grew up going to Star Wars weekends at uh, MGM Studios. Amazing. I wish I could have done that. Oh, it was a, it was a hoot. Holy moly. Like, oh, God. Had, hyperspace hoopla. Hyperspace hoopla. Like, they had, like, <laughs> Slave Leia and Padme with her midriff off. Like, that was not for kids. It was not. It was definitely not for kids. Yeah, so you guys are younger. You guys are younger. So what was that like seeing, like, Slave Leia? Like, you probably saw it, like, after, right? Because you saw the prequels first. I, you yeah, I saw Midriff Padme like first sequel. before I saw Slave Leia. So I, I saw I, Midriff I, Padme first before I, I think the first Star Wars movie I ever watched. They broke you into the movie. I think the first Star Wars movie I ever watched was maybe Return of the Jedi, and I was very confused. <laughs> As you would be. I mean, suddenly you have like half a movie about a big fat blob gangster, and then all of a sudden you go out with the hippies who who uh, you know are, are are revolution time, right? It's like a it's like yeah. kind of a, a Cuban situation in a way, like it's a re- revolt against the empire. So, um, but I think that's what makes Star Wars so great. I mean, one one of the things as as a I mean, I'm not going to say I'm an original fan, but um, I mean, you know, I always felt some disdain. For the prequels growing up but now that i'm i'm kind of even beyond that the prequels have softened me a little even uh softened my lightsaber if you will um and and i <laughs> oh. started to i've started to appreciate them for what they are because of people like you who grew up on them and I, i've seen that you know yeah. star wars is universal um star wars has conquered the galaxy for a multitude of reasons and as as chris is saying um, you know, the, the basic idea behind Star Wars in general was to create a new myth for, for the world, like a new myth for, for, for America, for society, 
based on so much else. Um, I want to I want to ask Willie Bobo, who is our faker extraordinaire, um, because I know that Willie Bobo thinks a lot about the prequels and the sequels and how it connects to other movie properties. I mean, I think you're famous for saying that everything is about Star Wars in the end, uh, Willie. Um, how do you see this playing out in terms of like different different kinds of fandom who who came to Star Wars at different times in its development? What What's that going to mean for the future for Star Wars, too? It's one of the beauties of it is that it's it's for everyone. I mean, you know, we all we love to make fun of when when people say the force is female or whatever it is, but there's something for everyone and almost every generation. Um, kind of mm-hmm. kind of something um, resonates with every generation, whether it's the kids growing up with the prequels or some of us who are more the the original trilogy. There's something about it that it it is the modern mythology. I mean, some could argue that the MCU is that nowadays, but even that, that's pulling from, you know, a lot of the comic stuff that, that has existed um, for years. So, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's really these big pop culture, you know, magnets, if you will, or, you know, they're, they're really become these, these, like you were saying, it's the, it's the new mythology. Um, but I love it because it's something for everyone, but I, I do recommend that as kids like see it, they they go and, and kind of explore where George and, and Ridley, you know, where they're pulling from, you know, some of the old, like some of the books and some of the classics and some of the, the actual older mythos that a lot of the stuff is based on, whether it's Joseph Campbell stuff or whatever, you know, and that's, that's as you, as you get older, you start to kind of explore where everyone gets inspired from. So I just think it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing. And, and the fact that we have so many different fans is great and it also just i mean from a business point of view it just ensures that it's going to be around forever uh love it hate it as long as we're getting it because we all remember hopefully um the dark days in the 90s when we had nothing so now nothing yeah even if you hate it it's it's stuff man like we're we're getting star wars and it's a it's a golden age i want to i want to bring up the fact now that we can also like we can if you go to the disney parks like for Batu, you can immerse yourself in this universe, and you can yes. feel a part of like that story. I mean, you can you could have done that. Yeah, if like you wear the wrong years. attire there, if, if you wear the wrong gear there too, they will interact with you depending on whatever gear yeah. you're wearing. I made the mistake of walking into a um, a first order um, gift shop, and I was wearing you know um, uh, resistance uh, hat, and I got all sorts of crap from the. the yeah. so I loved it. it space wow. bat. space bat. I don't like it when you wear non-conforming colors. I love Star it. Duper. I wanted to weigh in on this topic too. Exactly. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead, Chris. Yeah, so talking about the future of Star Wars, I really like the point about all these different generations that are now into it and they're all coming from a different frame. They're all coming from a different point of view. So, and any what I'll say to be successful going forward, any good marketing strategy has to pick the different personas and the different interests of all these different groups within the Star Wars uh, community. So for the person that joined in the 2000s, they really liked the Clone Wars. They have to do something for that person. But for the person that grew up on Star Wars from day one, I think there's still an audience there that needs to be served. And I think that's why the big movies, uh, they run into so much controversy because you have everyone, all, all these millions of people that are all Star Wars fans, definitely all Star Wars fans, but they all come up from a different frame point and they're all seeing the same thing. 
and some people really like it and some people don't. So I feel like that's going to continue to be a struggle, but I do think that these smaller projects and these TV shows and these books could continue to be really successful. Yeah. To, to that point, to that point, it's like whenever there's a live action uh, project, whether it's TV or the movies, you, you can just feel it. Like everyone is buying for, they want to see their Clone Wars character. They want to see their Filoni creation up there in live action. And, oh, and then you have the old head. No, I want the classic. I want so you can just feel everyone is is vying and hoping yep. that their stuff makes it to a level like live action canon because yeah, as you get older, you start to realize yeah, yeah, the books and comics are cute, but nobody really that they'll wreck on that shit in like a heartbeat. It's like in a, it's like an yeah, election. It's like I want my uh, college Democrat represented. I want my new new Republican here. Like like Star Wars has become a probing ground for everybody to have their identity um, that they want to like virtue signal on. That's an analogy camera. that you can make. It's, it's uh, I think it's Star Wars is identity politics. Is that what you just said? Did you just say Star Wars is identity politics? No, I'm saying that way, no, it's, you can not make that, identity you can politics. Make that <laughs> argument because George Lucas himself was a Democrat. You can honestly see the parallels of his political affiliations in the way that he makes the original trilogy and the prequels. Uh, you know, oh, yeah, what, uh, he made no bones about saying that the the, the Empire were Nazis. Yeah, yeah, even the Ewoks with a beacon. And it opens up it, it opens up the can of worms of, of uh you know the the sequel trilogy lovers and haters and the OT you know that it's always been political guys like you know stop stop arguing about it but I, I do think it's interesting you know bringing it full circle back to the alien discussion yes were the alien films at all political is the first question and I then the second are. the second thing is we kind of glossed over the the obvious one is Ridley and Leia and the, the idea of a strong heroine. Uh, oh yes, yeah. So weigh in, guys. Yeah. yeah so I, I, I want to um, give it. I want to give the mic to somebody who hasn't jumped in in a bit. So that question uh, about about Alien and 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 uh, the politics and and the feminine heroine. Um, shall I ask Pixie first? What do you think about that? Ripley was one of those iconic uh, female strong characters. She had a. The whole storyline was around her. She she just knocked it out of the park, right? But that was an 80s, just amazing character. And then you come over to, like, the modern Star Wars, and you, you got this terrible female character that some of us older Star Wars fans just do not care about because she's just a Mary Sue in my eyes. So So let me, let me see this. I mean, here at Faking Star Wars, we we do not have any particular political slant. We do not have any particular vendetta against any character in Star Wars, except for Rose Tico, of course. Um, but that's just me, Stormtrooper. Um, but 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 and what me. you're saying, what you're saying about Ray makes sense. I mean, I I love the fact that so many young girls love Ray as a character. And um, that will be the long-lasting impact of the character. Not yes. what she did in the short term, but what she did in the long term. Right. But but the, the, the question remains, like, if you think about Star Wars, if you think about what we're talking about today, which is not only how how is how is Star Wars important for the galaxy and how did it conquer the galaxy, um, you know, feminine characters, Ripley, who I, I, I mean, I think Ripley is, is a better character than Rey. Like, let's be honest. If you've seen Alien, you've seen Aliens. 
Ripley is a compelling character. And the reason I say that is because when I watch Aliens, I don't think to myself, oh, she's a strong woman. What I think to myself no, is, she's, oh, a, she's person. a strong character. She's an amazing she's a survivor. Character. I don't, her gender is, is there. Like she's sexy as, as, as is. I mean, she's extremely hot. Like she's very feminine. Um, and I'm from Duper. I mean, I, I'm attracted to hot women. Uh, but I don't even. <laughs> but sex appeal shouldn't be the only. If if uh, and that's the thing. Like you want to have somebody right. that's strong in a lot of aspects. And I think if somebody's pushing the boundaries of gender uh, equality while also promoting sex appeal in a positive way, I think that's generally something that you know a lot of older characters should do. A lot of female older characters should do promote equality and sex positivity in a lot of ways. Instead of just shielding sure. them, you know, um, this, this sort of begs the question because the more uh, you know, when you think about you know who is writing these movies, right? You have J.J. Abrams, Ryan Johnson, and whoever yeah. wrote the last. Who's really is right? Is it the so, corporations, the well, lobbyists? Have these filmmakers ever written a compelling female character in their entire filmography? I don't know. I don't follow J.J. Abrams. Did he write Lost? Was, were any of the women in Lost actually good characters? Because a lot of it feels like it could come down to you have just these guys writing and they don't really understand how to make a, an authentic woman uh, mm. come across. I'm thinking of Looper. Uh, I don't remember. Like the, the Women are there. They're sort of set pieces and they're only in the one. background, but they're not one. actually pushing the narrative. I guess... And no. the arm, the armus in in Knives Out, but I'm trying to think whether that was a well written character or just a bunch of cliches and yeah, that's terrible. Go ahead, go ahead. Uh, sure. Chris. Yeah. So, how do you evaluate a good character? That's a question. Like to I me, I think that's a great question. How would you how so would you count that in terms of Star Wars? So, in a way, you evaluate a good character is their arc, right? Because Everyone, like, we think about movies as a story, but really the story is the characters. So Rey is the main character, pretty much. What is her arc? She has to have a beginning, a middle, and an end to her story. And I've read this book. It's really cool. If you guys are interested, you should check it out. It's called Creating Character Arcs. And it's about the main different character arcs that a character can have in any property, book, movie, show. And it's really three main ones. It's positive, neutral, and negative. So positive is they start off in a bad place. They move into a good place. Neutral is they stay the same. Negative is they started off pretty good, or and or they just and they just got worse. So, so with like that in mind, so, so so for that, so for Star Wars, a character who starts positive and goes negative, that would be Anakin, right? Yeah, that's actually a negative arc until it turns into positive again, right? In very block structure, yes. Yeah. Okay. So, so with Ray, uh, yeah, go a, ahead, go a ahead. Neutral, neutral character who stays neutral would be somebody like Yoda. Right, or Jin or so. Jin no growth. So usually neutral is the change. Um, is the uh, uh, the stimulus of the story. So people have to react to them. They don't react to others. So it's like Goku and in, in like Dragon Ball. Goku doesn't grow, but everyone has to adjust to this character and the way they play out in the world. Um, does that make, kind of make sense? Yeah, I mean, Jin Urso would perfectly fit that mold because she's more of a passive character in regards to neutrality instead of an active character. I mean, that she makes has to sense. get used to the to the to the the ways of the galaxy and knowing that both the Empire and 
the rebellion have both radicals on their sides and she is, you know, watching as that happens. And, you know, it's, it's a shame they make her a passive character, but indeed in her role in the story is that she is a, a passive watching along and she doesn't become, you know, a, a stimulator in the plot until the third act, because, you know, the third act is when you need everybody. And it's like, you know, that's the perfect time for her to come in. But in regards to neutrality, it's like, yes, she is because she doesn't want the rebellion. She only wants her father. And it's, it's compelling because it's, it's just, it's there. And it's the way we're, we're looking through her eyes. Cause you know, what the, the stories we've seen of the rebellion and the empire is that fascists versus, you know, libertarians, like, uh, uh, liberators and it's it's you don't get to see kind of like eye to eye with the people who are the more radical versions on on the sides and it's 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 yeah it, it pains me to say that she's a, a a passive character because i do love felicity jones and that's the way it was because of the plot well i mean jake i, I agree with you i mean felicity has been stalking me for for years and years um i mean well? Yeah, a little little known fact is that I actually wrote the script for every single Star Wars movie, um, and I I wrote Rogue One with Felicity Jones in mind um, when I negotiated with Disney uh, to have my script, uh, you know, used to produce Rogue One. I I mandated that Felicity Jones would be the actress in charge because I knew that she was the only one who could handle like that very dramatic sort of role of of being disinterested and and kind of like almost like dj in last jedi um but then also at the end she she ends up being very passionate uh in trying to avenge her father um and i knew that she was the only one who could handle that let's think about this beyond beyond the beyond the female role of star wars beyond star wars taking over the galaxy i mean let's let's all let's all um recognize how much Star Wars has affected everything um, in contemporary Western culture. I mean, that, that's that's a, um, a no-brainer. Um, and I'm so thrilled to have you all here in our space. We're, we're going to keep this going. The, the game we're debuting tonight called How Many Clicks. Uh, you've, you've seen the owl. How many licks does it take to the Tootsie Roll Center? Well, how many clicks does it take to get to the Death Star Center of Star Wars? Uh, open up your browser to Wikipedia and go to the page on tangerine. So the fruit, tangerine. Um, and you have a chance now. I want to see if any of you can beat me. How many clicks does it take you to get to Star Wars? So thinking about everything we talked about tonight, uh, all your Star Wars knowledge, anybody out there is welcome to participate in the game. And I am going to be sending a T-shirt uh, Blue Boy Summer T-shirt to the winner of the game tonight. Um, whoever has the least amount of clicks uh, to get to the Star Wars Wikipedia page. Now, the rules are simple. You just have to start at the Wikipedia page on Tangerines and click through until you get to Star Wars. And to be frank, it's not that hard. I chose one that's pretty easy. So you have to tell us what you clicked, how you got there, and uh, and then, and then we'll consider you for for uh, submission. So I have to be honest. I mean, uh, I did steal this game. Uh, it's it's the Wikipedia game, but adapted for Star Wars. And I I think you're gonna enjoy it. So 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 tangerines. I mean, you wouldn't think of that as being a Star Wars thing necessarily. Um, the first thing I thought about when I saw the picture on the Wikipedia page of tangerine was the fruit. In uh, Attack of the Clones, when Anakin takes takes Padme to her home planet of Naboo, 
Uh, unfortunately, on the Wikipedia page, there is no click uh, for that on the buoy exactly. Tangerines no. do come from Florida, and Florida is in Orlando, and Orlando has Disney's Hollywood Studios and Walt Disney World, and you click Hollywood Studios, and you go to Galaxy's Edge, and you can finally find Star Wars. That's how I found it. So do I see a space brand? Oh, that's very good, Jake. So how many clicks did it take you? That's impressive. Right, so it took me, all right, from Tangerine to Florida, Walt Disney World, Walt Disney World, Hollywood Studios, Galaxy's Edge. It took me... One, two, three, four, five, six. Six. That's pretty good. I mean, to go from Florida, that's once you get to Florida, I think you've done pretty well. So that's impressive. Yeah, you, gotta, you do got to find Walt Disney World, which is in the tourism section of the Wikipedia page. Very nice. Very nice. Does anyone else have another pass that they'd like to mention? Uh, loose Cannon. Go ahead. Oh, man. I feel like this next click is going to decide it all. <laughs> I can't wait. I somehow made it to Super Nintendo Entertainment System. Uh, <laughs> From Tangerine. And I, yeah. Um, I'm trying to make sure I, I mean, I can always press the back button or look at my history. I'm trying to remember how I got here. Uh, so, <laughs> oh, okay. So I'm at China Chuhan Contention. <laughs> I'm now, I'm, now I'm at Super Nintendo. I feel like I could really do a lot of damage with this. Amazing, amazing. I feel like I overthought the whole thing. I, I feel like if I would have went simple, like, Tangerine to Florida, Florida, yeah, I, I should have just followed those things, but that's not how my brain works. And that's the point of this game, is to illustrate, really, the point that Star Wars has taken over the world. Um, so that's, that's fantastic. Tangerine's movie about the Balkan War when I went to Tangerines for Wikipedia, because I did a review on that, so I think it, like, had it in my cache or something like that. So <laughs> I, I went down a complete wrong rabbit hole. So, so. how many clicks did it take you, yeah. uh, Key Brontor? Uh, I'm, I'm still kind of doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> the Balkan Wars, uh, you'd think they tie into Star Wars pretty, uh, you know, uh, easily, but I'm still kind of clicking around. So. Very good. Uh, Jake, you said you got there through, through Florida. How many clicks did it actually take you? Judging by the history, um, so I went to Tangerine, then I clicked Florida, um, and then I clicked Disney's Hollywood Studios, then I clicked Galaxy's Edge, and then I clicked the Star Wars franchise, bolded underneath the okay. tab. That counts, that counts. So as long as it's five clicks, I think, right? I believe. Nice. So well done. That's very, very impressive. Very impressive. Do you have a path to Star Wars that is smaller than six clicks? Vegan the Hut, you have had some technical issues, Mr. Vegan the Hut. <laughs> but we love you because you don't have feet. Vegan, do you have anything you'd like to add tonight as we finish up? I do have feet. Anybody who says otherwise is sunburnt. Careful. Careful. <laughs> Careful what you say. Okay. I, I think my, I, I'm back on my Wi-Fi. So before I leave, I got to tell you guys my tangerine to Star Wars. I love it. Let me hear you. Do it. Okay. Tangerine to the color tangerine to what color is Ahsoka? Tano, there. What is that? Two clicks. Come on, Boom. you did not do that. You're Beach lying. Y'all. 
Did you just write in the search bar? What is the cover? I'm calling bull. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. I love it. I love it. Play the game, bro. <laughs> Yo, you Good can't energy, trust Vegan the hut. You huh? cannot trust Vegan <laughs> the freaking hut. I mean, look at his trust picture. Hut. There's no trusting the hut. You guys are just jealous because huts are very smart and intelligent. And huts are gangsters. Bro, the, the, shirt, the, shirt, the, shirt's, the shirts, the shirts, the shirts, the shirts, the shirts never gonna fit. <laughs> He's got a bridge to sell us too. There's no chance you got there oh, in God. less than four clicks. No chance. <laughs> Nothing but villainy and scum. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> yep, yep. Dang. Oh, went there. But at least you tried. A hut will try. So, Willie, would you wrap it up tonight? I just want to thank you guys. It's been a blast uh, getting to know everyone. I think, um, you know, we've gotten to know each other. We've got uh, a lot of of good conversation, good laughs, and really uh, reflects a lot of the tone of the films, to be honest with you, what we like about the movies. Highs, lows, some insight, and jokes. Um, So thank you, everyone, and obviously may the force and may the foe be with you always. I love it. Thank you, everyone. So I'm, I'm shutting down. Um, if you'd like, you can definitely follow all of us. Myself, Storm Duper, um, Willie Bobo at Faking Star Wars, T-Brontor, and Vegan the Hut here at FakingStarWars.net, and our guest, Loose Cannon. Please check out our t-shirt site at bit.ly slash fswmerch, and we will be back here very, very, very soon um, to in- stimulate your Star Wars fanaticism uh, here from FakingStarWars.net. May the foe be with you. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. See you guys. guys. That was awesome. Thanks for listening. Please write a review for this show on iTunes or Podchaser and be sure to visit fakingstarwars.net slash podcasts for more shows on our network.